Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? I'm back. It was only a week off. I thought about having a second. I thought, no, Murph needs me. Rush Nation needs me. The world needs me. All right, maybe it isn't quite that extreme, but I didn't want to miss another one. Stocks is back in your ear holes. Rob, thank you very much for holding the fort down with the big man. Talking to the big man, there he is in what looks like, I don't know, South Africa maybe? Sitting in a lodge conservatory. I mean, I know he's not really there, but let's face it, there rather than here right now, mate. Hey, it's, uh, yeah, I wish it was real instead of a Zoom background when I Googled the, the 25 best Zoom backgrounds that you could have. Um, but yeah, all good, wish we were doing this in person. But we do get to see each other this week, which I'm highly excited about because it's been far too long. We certainly do. Out of interest, what number on the 25 was that? That's a really good question. I did this about five, six months ago. Oh, see, I bet it's all changed now because Zoom's Zoom's like globally bigger than Microsoft, I imagine, right now. So, yeah, oh, we got it on the ground floor, didn't we? Well, we we Zoom, I've built, been using it for years. We we should have uh, invested in Zoom. I feel that was where we our our ground floor. Do you know was... what? I'm going to change it just for you. I'm okay. going to change the background. This is really bad <laughs> podcast chat. See if you can recognize and describe to people what uh, what background I'm using. What the one currently? Yeah, 
Yeah, um, no. I mean, the, the, it sort of reminds me of the one where the guys, yeah, the children are coming in. That's the one. <laughs> That's an actual live background. That is amazing. So for those of you listening, uh, it's uh, for those you remember, and if not, feel free to YouTube or Google this. The, the BBC newsman who's on the news and his children come rushing into the room. Um, I've ended up finding the footage of that and putting it in as my Zoom background, which freaks people all the time when I'm on an internal meeting because the kids run in and because <laughs> it's on a video loop. So the kids then come in and go, oh, your kids are in. No, no. no. <laughs> Some people clock it straight away and go, oh, I know what that is because it's got the BBC News logo in the top, yeah. uh, the top corner. But yeah, it's quite a fun one. But let's see how many times the kids going into the room put you off uh, mid-thought through the podcast. Well, luckily, I know it isn't your child, so I don't think it will get me too bad. But yeah, that was funny. As I was thinking, the kid is coming in. The kid came in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a proper, properly good, uh, properly good background. I enjoy this one. Yeah, I'm surprised you can have a live motion background on Zoom. See, this is the thing. Now everyone's using it. They can upgrade their technology. Exactly. There we go. We've just given Zoom about two minutes worth of plug for free so uh, if anyone works at zoom or <laughs> knows anyone that works at zoom um yeah tell them to do one of the following give us a uh, give us our subscription for free for a year for the ad time or just how to come sponsor the pod um both work because we do pay for zoom so yeah either either we'll be either happy right, with either. both well that's the dream that's the uh subscription. The dream is a free subscription and like i don't know 50 quid a month or something like that. i mean they'll be, they'll be living the world living the dream oh, we're not 50, we're not greedy 50 a month that's that's big time i mean we could yeah. afford to power the studio on that i don't know well, madness <laughs> poor, poor studios just sitting there like completely deserted i mean it's it's i'm not gonna lie murph it's become a little bit of a dumping ground in my mother's garage slash five yard headquarters at the moment there's some stuff in there that needs moving about for our triumphant return which who knows when that's going to be i mean it's all up in the air right now yeah it really is it's a difficult time for those of you listening in the, in the u.s who probably aren't aware of uh, all the covid restrictions so stocks and i live about seven miles apart from each other we both live on the outskirts of london stocks lives officially in a london borough i do not live officially in a london borough um i have the same restrictions as i had last week which is i can meet up with people i can mix in people's households up to six people and socially distanced and since our house is tiny no one ever comes in um but for me it's pretty same as whether stocks unfortunately we were planning to meet for dinner and then um we're still going to meet for dinner but we've had to change our plans because we were going to go somewhere we hadn't actually decided a venue but we decided we were going to go for dinner and we're like this would be great um we can't eat inside because stocks is under a uh, different set of restrictions that says that you can't mix of any other households indoors, including pubs and restaurants. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how they would feel about it if we got a table next to each other in this said pub or restaurant and conversated that way. I mean, it's pretty much exactly the same thing. But Well, yeah, I mean, apparently that's not allowed, but I don't know. Look, I'm, I'm not anti the restrictions. I think we'll probably go into a lockdown. Wales is going into a lockdown. So I think we're braced for that. I, do you know what the easiest thing would be to get people to agree to a lockdown? I've, I genuinely thought about this over the last week or so. And I appreciate this isn't football chat and this is supposed to be escapism. But here's an idea, radical thought. 
we go into a lockdown, right? Let's say next week, week after, whatever. Right? Government supports all the people that would be out of work, you know, furlough schemes and funding for the businesses or whatever it takes. And I appreciate that's an easier said than done thing. Right? I'm not trying to make this like a blase. Oh, let's just give everyone money. But we did it for quite a long period of time. And then what you do for the week of Christmas and New Year, for that one week, you just lift a whole load of restrictions. So you allow families to like meet and have a Christmas. And then in January, you lock everything either back up or you, you hope to have done some good with the lockdown that you can put measures in place. But it, it's kind of like restricted, almost like what it was in the summer. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just think if you told people they could have one week over Christmas and New Year to go and see their families and do everything and they've got to pay the piper now, I, I think that would stop people breaking the rules personally. I think I think you're right. There certainly has to be something in order for people to stick to the rules, because as much as the rules are in place, well, I've still seen people in and out. I've still seen people congregating. It, it, there is, and it can't be policed. That's the thing. Mm. It, it, it's not easy, or it's impossible even for the police to police, and people just have to be the police themselves and and go with the rules. Because the longer we don't the longer this will go on and the worse it will be for everyone. So yeah. get your sensible hat on Rush Nation and uh, and do the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. Just just follow the guidance wherever you are. You know, we, we've revolted our plans this week. We are still going to meet up. We haven't met up for a while, probably close to two months, I think, since you dropped by outside the house to drop Milo's birthday present off. So um, it's hard. Like, we, we, we saw each other every week it's, and it was our escape and the show still is, but... I'm not, and I'm not saying like, oh, well, we're making a sacrifice. You should too. Like at the end of the day, we're we're just following what the guidance and what the law is, and it's incredibly difficult. Um, but it has to be done. And if we can just get out of this and just buy enough time to get vaccines and whatever, then we'll be better off for it. Uh, I personally think that living is a good incentive to follow the guidance, but for some people <laughs> that's not enough. Um, and if it's not, and you want to partially break the rules, then 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 good on you um you know we'll <laughs> just don't tell me about it because it'll end up being some form of debate that you know will probably enrage us both but uh moving on to lighter topics we should congratulate nick and your sister for being for getting married over the the weekend well, we Friday. should we should yeah nick former i guess intermittent host and original member of, of five yard rush is got married to my sister that's how i know him and yeah it was a small intimate venue gig wedding thing on friday they got married at a church and then went on to a lovely restaurant and we all had dinner there which was tremendous and yeah my my dad was the highlight of the day falling over in the church pew whilst holding my son uh, and they got caught it on the wedding zoom so if you if you want to see that hit me up and i'll send you the video that someone has made of my dad falling over at the church so, that's brilliant i love that i'm gonna have yeah. to see that video at some point that i'll brilliant. send it to you don't remind me at the end i will uh, it's hilarious and uh it was made even more funny is that it's a recording of them watching it with my nan and my nan breaks down into absolute hysterics so <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's so good we, we were talking about escapism Murph, and we normally do this for escapism but currently in fantasy football there's very little escapism from the injury riddled season we are all witnessing right now and just just as we sat down to record two bits of news came through one one about Zach Ertz and one about Miles Sanders. Yeah, Miles Sanders is expected to miss Thursday night's game. I alluded to this in the waiver wire pod. Um, that just if you go out with a knee injury, you're not going to 
likely play the next game. Um, that's just, I mean, unless it's a bruise, in which I don't think he, he misses the game uh, or goes out of the game that he's playing, especially at the critical point it was. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not, not surprised about Miles Sanders. And, and I know Zach Ertz um, was injured. I forgot to mention that in the pod. I do have it in the notes. Um, but he's going to miss three to four weeks. So um, I made a reference that if uh, Dallas Goddard was available in your leagues and people had dropped him instead of using IR spots, um, now's a good time to go and buy him because he'll be activated from the, to the roster probably in the next week or so. Um, so just to re-emphasize that, um, I, I think Zach Ertz has been highly disappointing uh, this season. Um, and I think that Dallas got up before he got injured was playing himself to being the tight end to own in, in, in Philadelphia. And that, that clearly remains the, the case. Um, actually, I've just had a breaking news alert come through now that McCaffrey could be, he could return prior to week nine. So it looks like Christian McCaffrey is, is going to miss uh, the next two weeks potentially and be back before week nine, or he might even play week eight. Um, that's basically telling you that you should fire up Mike Davis this week, even though he didn't have the best of games uh, last week. Yeah, I think McCaffrey's buys week 13 as well, isn't it? So, yeah, it's so a loads of time. Loads of time for that. Yeah, uh, interesting about Zach Ertz. So I'm in our Vampire League, Murph, I, it's a toss-up between who I take Patrick Mahomes or Zach Ertz because I thought last week I probably should have took Darren Waller over Dalvin Cook because tight ends are a ridiculous premium and I've already got Derek Henry so I thought I've got a good running back and then I've got a couple that I could play and then I thought do I take Zach Ertz or Mahomes this week and then Zach Ertz is now down so looks like I'm going to be taking Mahomes if I get the win I should do I'm very clear unless Mahomes absolutely destroys the Bills but uh, I mean, I'm t- I'm taking Mahomes because of the fact that one, Ertz is going to miss four weeks, three to four weeks, and two because mm. Goddard will be back by then, and Goddard will will supersede. Uh, I I still stand by the fact that tight ends don't need to be drafted, and you know, I, I picked up Jimmy Graham in so many places <laughs> off the waiver wire, and I picked up so much Trey Burton this weekend <laughs> before he played. I'm sitting there like. Just no need. There's just, I mean, like Titan waiver wire now is is a is a dump after Trey Burton. Don't get me wrong, but it's just like people drafted Mike Gazicki zero points this week. Like, it's, and he was a late end tight end. Um, really, the only tight ends Kittle, Kelsey, and Andrews have re- and John Smith, who you drafted late. So of the the premium tight ends that you draft early, those three have done okay, but they're not really splitting the field too much if I get the the current points and then I think Johnny Smith's it may be questionable for the upcoming week as well so uh yeah I mean and then you just plug in Anthony Fersker who you can just stream and and you're fine um I didn't put him on the waiver wire actually I should probably add that well we don't want to have everything to one place you know give snippets for the, the for the flagship Murph that's true that's what we're here for yeah I might add him to the stream if uh to the stream article tomorrow. It's him or Trey Burton. Oh, Trey Burton's on by, so I might go with. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't play Trey Burton this week. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at tight ends. So if I go tight ends, and I look at the the point scoring. Wow, if you look at it standard, it's pathetic. I'll go with <laughs> really bad. If you go with Travis Kelsey, is the tight end one right now? Right, he scored 74 points. 
74.5 points. He's, he's, I mean, he's still to play tonight, right? That would put him a wide receiver 15 so far this season. Which, again, I don't think that's too bad. Um, those top three. Number four, Johnny Smith. He's 12 points behind. Same amount of games as Kelsey. Um, funny enough, Johnny Smith is only three... He's 3.8 points behind George Kittle in second. So again, he's late missed, guy, John Smith. And he's, he's missed quite, the game. I suppose Kittle's missed as well. Uh, yeah. So and Kittle's only played four games. And Mark Andrews has played six. So on a points per game basis, John Smith is third overall. Robert Tonyan is fourth overall. Again, late round, tight end. Three. You'd have got yeah, Robert Tonyan yeah. off the waiver wire. Um, Darren Waller was drafted. All right, he's six. But the point is that these point gaps are just nothing. Like, uh, amazingly, Hayden Hurst, I think, has been terrible. He's the ninth. Yeah. <laughs> tight end nine. Darren Fells is the tight end 12. That's because <laughs> he keeps catching touchdowns. But he, yeah, he does. I, I said that in the waiver wire column last week. I said that, you know, go go get Fells because he'll get in the end zone because that's all Houston do is throw to tight end. But Taco is the tight end 16. Yeah, you're not just really going to miss him. Wow, if you invested in him in the fourth round, you are kicking yourself right now. Yeah. Wow. Not, not not ideal. He has less than one point more than Mo Cox. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be overtaken by Gronk next week. Just, uh, just throw that out there. No, he's not. He is. Gronk is 1.5 points behind. <laughs> yeah, but Gronk's had one good game. That's my point. <laughs> I suppose. But, but yeah, anyway. So yeah, so tight ends, not a thing. As as we keep pointing out in this podcast, self-fulfilling prophecy every every single season. Um, I think I, I think last year it got to about this time, maybe week eight, and we, we came to the conclusion that if you're streaming a tight end, you're basically looking for 40 yards and a touchdown, and that would be a serviceable number for your streaming tight end. It, it, and now it's like 25 yards and a touchdown. Exactly. It's it's just like that that will that will not lose you a week. Is is you're just basically now using the waiver wire as, as touchdown mining. So you pick the best matchups. Um so I think I went Dalton No, I didn't go Dalton Schultz. Who did I go with the waiver wire column this week? Logan Thomas. I went with Logan Thomas this coming week in the waiver wire column because I think against the uh, against Dallas he scores. Yeah. I mean everybody's scoring against Dallas, so yeah, exactly. I think you and I will have a chance maybe later on in the season. Yeah, but the I problem mean, is I... people get me and Andy Dalton confused. <laughs> There's always that chance, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I'll have to slot in at tight end and use my size, speed, non-advantage to really confuse people. That will be uh, that'll be where I'll win. <laughs> Talking Love of winning. It. Ron Rivera on their two-point try at the weekend said, the only way to learn how to win is to play to win. I mean, I, I, I saw somebody post on Facebook that Ron Rivera is the most consistent of coaches and the fact that the Washington Reds, uh, the football team, sorry, were consistently rubbish before and Ron Rivera has consistently kept them consistently rubbish. So I, I, they're not as bad as the New York Jets, but then Lord only knows what's happening over there, right? I I think at the end of the day with Ron Rivera, I think he's absolutely right. I think what what is the difference between them winning and losing that game? Honestly. Not a lot. Right. So 
why not try and win it? There's, there were two instances over the weekend where people went for two-point tries. Uh, both missed. Both cost the game. And I think both of them were... One of them was essentially... the One of them was the right call. One of them was the wrong call. I think this was the right call. Because if they're... Listen, if they're three and three, I get it, right? Um, you you kick, the, kick the extra point, go to overtime. But as we've seen over the weekend, extra, you know, it is not a going for it there and you know kicking the extra point going to overtime is no guarantee you get the ball back because the Giants and I mean this is the Giants so you probably would have got the ball back uh, but ultimately you might as well just try and win the game there and then because yeah. it is no different to Washington they're not going to make the playoffs so you're trying to instill a culture and it's not about this season you know you've got Carl Allen at, at quarterback you've got um, Logan Thomas, who was a college quarterback at tight end. You've got not a lot of weapons. Terry McLaurin, Anthony Gandy Golden's gone down. You know, you, you're talking about a backfield of uh, Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick. You got McKissick, who's leading the team in targets over the last three games. Like <laughs> they just they haven't got anything. Like why not? Like I actually thought Washington would win that game, um, but. You know, I, I think he's right to do that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a good way, like you say, to instill the culture in your team in trying to win as opposed to just hoping. If you try to win, at least you're giving yourself a shot, like you say. But yeah, there's not a lot going on for the football team right now. Yeah, absolutely. You it mentioned... Go on, Murph. No, no, I said no, absolutely. Yeah, and then you mentioned the other two-point try and Romeo Cornell on the failed two-point try versus Titans is he said the Texans wanted to put it out of reach for them. See, this is dumb. This is the one that was dumb because, yes, I appreciate This is a very different circumstance because when they go for it for two, they were trying to get a nine-point lead. So what Romeo Cornell has just telegraphed to the entire world is my defense is rubbish and I don't trust them to make any stops whatsoever. And I think that's shocking. I think, you know, if they kick the extra point, they go up by eight. So then you're basically making sure that the Tennessee Titans go and score a touchdown in limited time, which they did with four seconds remaining. But then they've still got to make the, the two-point attempt. One stoppage at any point, and you win the football game. Like, you're just being stupid. Just not... I... I <laughs> I don't know if it's like analytics, and I like analytics better than most people, but I don't know if it's just analytics that's just taken over people's thinking. But I'm just thinking, if I don't trust my defense to stop the tight, uh, yeah, the Titans on the, on it with a short clock, that's one thing. To then not trust them to stop the uh, the two point attempt, why are you playing? You might as well just go home. Like if you don't trust them that much, you might as well just go home. Because yeah. it just doesn't make any sense to me. It, they're, they're very different scenarios. One team is trying to win a game, and it's still a culture for future years. It's not about this year for Washington. With the Texans, you've just fired your coach. You need to stem the tide of losing. You get off the schneid last week. You win a game against the Jaguars, which means, let's be honest, nothing. And you're about to upset the Titans, which is a statement win. And you just you allow them to kick the extra point, take it away over time, and then Derek Henry takes a direct snap and they win the game. It's just when I mean, you don't get the ball back. 
Yeah. And not not only is it stupid to not do it, it also makes the Titans think, well, not only do we have to march up the field and score with limited time, we then have to make a two pointer to, to But that's what I mean. It's you're you're basically putting it you're giving yourself two chances to win the game. You're either going to stop them on the drive or you're going to stop them at the two point play. You're giving yourself two chances to win the game. And if you don't back your team to do that, you either shouldn't be the coach of the football team or you're waving the white flag saying, and do you know what? That, that, is, that moment there was why the Titans won the game. Because I tell you now, Mike Vrabel, he, was, he played for the Patriots. You know, he's smart enough to say he thinks this defense is crap. He says that you guys will, will score. That's the, Mike Vrabel said their coaches just basically said you're going to score anyway. That's true. Like you, that, you're just telegraphing to the other team that you, you think they're better than you are. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just a very bizarre strategy. I just yeah. I mean, good good luck to Romeo Canal. I, I do like Romeo Canal, right? By the way, and you know, good luck to him. And I hope he he continues. He's clearly a breath of fresh air, and he's definitely doing things with fantasy football. But yeah, they, you can't do those sorts of things. I'm sorry. Yeah, peculiar one when you put it like that. Talking of somebody who can't do things like that, Kirk Cousins has said, if I keep throwing INTs, I won't finish the season. Um, it's not a great statement to make from your franchise QB. I bet you he does. Yeah. He could throw 40 picks and he's still playing at the end of the season. Do you think that's him saying that to keep to pep himself up? I think he... Potentially, I think it's him taking responsibility for the defeats. I mean, it's the second game this season. He's thrown three interceptions. He's thrown 10 on the season. But here's how I know he's going to play all 16 games. Do you know who the backup is? Absolutely no idea. Sean Marion. Oh. Jamie Games, Sean Marion has started in the NFL. This feels like a zero question. Correct. Yay. He has played in 13 games. He uh, actually surprisingly played in three last year for the Vikings. Um, he played uh, 10 for the Rams over four years. Um, he's attempted 74 passes, uh, completed 45 of them for 384 yards uh, for no touchdowns and three INTs. Okay. Do you know who the backup to Sean Marion is? Justin Jefferson. There isn't one. Yeah, probably Justin <laughs> Jefferson or Irv Smith or, or Carl Rudolph probably. Because they don't have a third tight end, they don't have a third QB on the roster. That, so, that is, Kurt Rogers is playing all sixteen games. Like yeah. it just not statements like that. I, you know, there, there were two things this weekend that really irked me from from quarterbacks in statements that they made. This was one of them. Like, of course, you're finishing the season because they paid you the money, and there's no one behind you. <laughs> whether you whether you've got a job next season is a different question, probably because of the money, but. Yeah, I, I won't finish the season. I mean, he is on pace to finish with... Uh, it's going to be close to 30 INTs at this rate. It's not going to be quite that. But surely Kirk Cousins is good enough to cut to, to cut these out, to stop throwing as many. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. But th- this is what happens when you've got a, a defence that have not done their job this season and you're forcing him to throw. I mean, to be fair, against uh, the Falcons, he did throw an interception on the first play from scrimmage, which doesn't help. No. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just an interesting one. Like, um, uh, I think it's a combination of the D's really bad. Um, he hasn't got that many weapons to throw at. Um, and 
the the I, what it is doing is it's showing you how important Kevin Stefanski was to to that scheme because it, it's not working at the moment whatever they're doing and you know it's safe to say their season is is gonna I mean it is over they're five points behind or oh, five four wins behind their division like they're not gonna get to the playoffs so uh, you know they they might only be a five six win team come say it. I can't see where they're gonna get that many wins between now and the end of the season the way they're playing no. And I don't know, pick-wise, I know they had a lot of picks in the 2020 draft. I don't know how many they have taken into 2021, but perhaps if they're loaded at picks this year as well, they'd be. it would almost be in their favour to not win as many as they possibly could to get better players to bolster that defence and offensive line that they so need. But the, the secondary's bad, right? Um, I mean, the secondary's really bad. But, you know, they signed Yannick on Godway. They, they, spent, they spent money in free agency to, to make... Um, some additions um, and they do have quite a few selections this year but they don't have many going forward because they traded their 2021 second to uh, Jacksonville for Yannick and Gokwe so they have next year they've got nine picks they've got a first a third three fourths two three fifths a sixth and a seventh and they got a lot of those out of the Stefan Diggs trade yeah which aren't going to be great picks if the Bills keep going the way the Bills are going. Well, actually, I'm just looking at where they, they where their picks are. So they got a fourth by the Bears, a fourth by the Bills, a fifth by the Ravens, and a fifth by the Steelers. All good teams. <laughs> yeah, all those teams are going to be playoff bound or close enough. So yeah, you're not picking very high after compensatory picks. You know, they're probably looking at two picks inside the top 100 unless they package those picks to move up the board which they could do mm. they did a lot of moving this year but they, they should get a comp pick because they lost Trey Waynes um, who else they lose uh, Alexander as well Mackenzie Alexander I think left so they're going to count towards the compensatory pick so they'll probably get another fourth they'll probably end up having four fourths or something like that I mean, that formula doesn't get worked out for a while yet, so it's hard to say. But Well, that'd be interesting to see what happens. Talking yeah. of, uh, this is Segway City right here, talking of interesting to see what happened, the lopsided loss for the Packers was a needed wake-up call for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I, I mean, this was the other statement that really sort of wound me up um, a little bit. Because here's why. Um, what... What annoyed me about the statement was it's just basically saying we needed to wake up. We were buying our own press. We were, this is what he says in, in the interview. Um, you know, we, 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 we bought our own press. We were really sort of uh, feeding ourselves. We really sort of like buying into what we do. And I'm like, but if that is how your team is, you've got bigger problems than losing 38, 10 to the, to the Buccaneers. Um, because good teams don't do that. Good teams don't shouldn't need a wake up call. Good teams shouldn't need to um, be motivated by losing. They, you know, there's things you can learn and things you can kind of tweak and, and and those sorts of things. But you know, to say this was a wake up call that we're not as good as we thought we were, like that's a concern for me. I think that's a big thing. I mean, a lot of things concern me about the Packers on on Sunday like they looked great for 15 minutes and looked absolutely awful for 45 minutes and um they don't look like they they look like a team with a fake record right now they certainly don't look like a 4-1 team 
um, the way that Tampa dispatched of them. Um, but I don't know. I I think we all said it last year that they were probably the worst 13 and three team we'd ever seen. And maybe that is what they are is what they were last year. I mean, they'll win games. They'll get into the playoffs, but they're not going to win those big games and they're not going to really threaten when things get serious. I don't know. I mean, people were talking about them as this is a record breaking team. I don't see it after what I saw on Sunday. Yeah, but beforehand they they were, weren't they? They they scored the most points in the first four games without an INT and were rolling along nicely. And for then Rogers to come out and say this is a wake up call, surely the fact that you're on this streak of points scoring already, regardless of who it's against. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has looked great. The run games look great. The defense has shown up occasionally, and then this game against Tampa has just turned it on its head and something happened in yeah, that but, game that is but but let's get let's get this right about the packers right and this is why i i you know i'm very excited for the way that the buccaneers played and won the game i thought they played brilliantly for for three and a half quarters and thoroughly deserved to win the game but the packers are right they put 43 points up against the vikings week one who are garbage then they beat the lions they put 42 up against the the lions who are I'm not going to say they're garbage, but they're not great. All right, they beat the Saints week three. That's a good win. Put up 37 on the Saints. Fine. Can't take much away from that. They still cave up 30 points, though. And the Saints haven't really threatened to do that too many times. They put up 34 points on the Vikings, which they haven't threatened to do. And then they beat the Packers. Um, sorry, they beat the Falcons, who picked up their first win. You know, they, they've beaten this season. They've beaten two one-win teams and one two-win team. It's not a formidable record. And then, to go and then they've beaten the Saints, who everyone says is in decline. I, I don't quite agree with that. But OK, fine. Your your one win is really the Saints that you can hang your head on and say, yeah, fine. That's a that's a good win. Yeah. And then you get stuffed by 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 the Buccaneers. And, you know, now they've got the Texans. Really play the Vikings again. I mean, they're, they're actually their schedule is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at this. They've got the Texans who have won one game, the Vikings who have won one game. They got the three and three 49ers. That could be tricky. Then they got the Jaguars. Then they got the Colts. Then they got the Bears. Then they got the Eagles, the one win Eagles. Or are they two wins now, actually? Lions, Panthers, Titans, and then Bears. There's no real, like, you look at the games there. They've probably now played their hardest games. Yeah, the Saints and the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. The, none of the Bears are five and one, and maybe I'm disrespecting them a bit too much. But you know, I don't think they've got. They could go thirteen and three again. Oh, easily. But with that schedule, are you that impressed? I don't know. Being no, I guess. But then you can only. I'm not standing up. Yeah, for you them, can only. But... You can only beat who, who's in front of you. I understand that. But you know, they 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 gave up 186 yards. Um, before contact on the ground to the 49ers in the a- NFC Championship game. And they, they look like a team... I mean, Ronald Jones got 100 yards out of them, and third game in a row, he's got 100 yards, so I can't knock him too much. But, yeah. I yeah, mean, Ronald, Ronald, Jones Jones, <laughs> Ronald Jones has got almost as many yards as the entire Packers offense yesterday. They haven't fixed... We said it in the draft. The draft was so bad, they didn't fix any of the problems that were... <laughs> 
that were there last season and the Buccaneers have just rocked up and, and just shown them that actually they're the exact same team they were last season. Against good teams, they will lose more often than not. And yeah, well, nothing's changed. Yeah, but I just think it annoys me you say, oh, this is a wake-up call. Like, I, I, you shouldn't need a wake-up call in the NFL when there's 17, 16 games in the season over 17 weeks. You shouldn't need that. Like, the season's not long enough to have a wake-up call. Especially a third of the way through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you uh... go. Adam Gase is worried about being winless, not about losing his job. As he says, it sucks about being 0-6. Well, of course he's not worried about his job. Why would he be worried about his job? He is doing his job. Um, and I, I know that, and nobody <laughs> is. Let's, let's get this right. right. So their plan has to be get the number one pick. Has to be. At this stage of the season, you're 0-6. Your plan now is we need to get the number one pick. There isn't a better coach in the NFL than Adam Gaze to ensure that they get the number one pick. It Hands can't down. possibly be why he's still in charge. Has to be. Why else? Because any other coach is playing for a future job. Who, whoever you bring in there, whether you give it to Greg Williams, whether you give it to um, – you know, the clipboard guy, whoever, right? It doesn't matter who you give that job to. That person is going to be bought in with the remit to try and generate wins. And at the end of the day, I don't think Adam Gaze is under that remit. I think they're quite happy with the situation now. They probably weren't when it was 0-2, 0-3, 0-4. Now they're like 0-6. They're probably cheering every time that the Jets lose because they're, they're 10 weeks away from securing Trevor Lawrence. But do you make that move as the Jets? Do you do you make that whilst having Sam Darnold? Is that the be- is that the best move for the franchise bringing in Trevor Lawrence? So you have to look at Trevor Lawrence right now and suggest and you know I I've said this to lots of people I didn't think he'd be the number 1 QB and then what he's shown this season is if he goes into the NFL draft, he will be the number one player off the board. If you are convinced that Sam Darnold is a generational talent, and I mean, you're talking about him being the next Patrick Mahomes, Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, fine. Then you you can trade that pick, right? You can trade the number one pick and someone will pay you the earth to get Trevor Lawrence. If you're not 100% sure on Sam Darnold, you have to draft Trevor Lawrence. Have to. You just have to. There's no if, and, or buts. Because the gamble now is you're in Darnold's third year. And I think we talked about this on the pod when you go back to that 2017 draft class. And you've got a twenty, sorry, twenty eighteen draft class, and you've got Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. Baker, not a lot of people are big fans of him. He doesn't look great, and he's injured at the moment, so it's hard to judge. But you know, except for in his rookie year, he doesn't look half the the number one pick that he was. Um, Darnold hasn't really done it consistently yes he's in a crap team but at some point that excuse does have to run out um josh rosen he's in the the buccaneers practice squad (laughs) i mean he's had a rough ride and i think he's got some talent but his path to starting in the nfl is 
ridiculously tough now. The only two that you'd say are any success out there is Lamar Jackson, obviously, who was taken fifth in the last pick of the first round, and he won the MVP. And and Josh Allen now is, you know, he's taken them to the playoffs. He's taken the Bills to the playoffs. He's probably going to win the division this year. I don't know. I if if I'm if I'm the Jets organization right now, I, I'm employing Adam Gaze to go and get us the number one pick, and then I'm firing him, <laughs> and, and then and then I'm drafting Trevor Lawrence. You have to, or you trade that for the biggest haul of picks you've ever seen. Yeah, I at guess least if, three first round picks. At least have to. If Lawrence is as good as as stated, then yeah, that that's a haul you will get. But then you'd have to be absolutely nailed on sure that your man was as good as, like you say, those generational talents. I mean, if we were there, uh, I say we, the Royal we, the Broncos, if they were there or bouts, they're taking Trevor Lawrence and there's no shadow of a doubt there. And, you know... But what, what team isn't taking Trevor Lawrence? That's then? what I was going to say. Who, who wouldn't, uh, apart from perhaps the Ravens, the Chiefs, but then neither of those teams are going to be there. Yeah. The only, I, the only, the only teams aren't going to take a quarterback there. The Ravens, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Texans, and they're not going to take one. The Texans. If you're looking at the teams down there at the very bottom of the standings, right? I think if you're Giants, you've got to take him. I think if you're the Jets, you've got to take him. I think if you're the Falcons, I know Matt Ryan's good, but you could sit. You could sit Trevor Lawrence for a year behind Matt Ryan. That's not the worst person to sit behind for a year. Um, you'd probably take him. Washington, definitely taking him. Vikings, definitely taking him. Lions, have to take him. Even if you believe in Stafford, he's so broken. Like, he's got a year left. Jacksonville, have to take him. Patriots, have to take him. Chargers, I think you, I think Herbert, if he continues down the path he has, has shown enough that you probably don't. I think, I, don't. I, think the reason, don't. I think the reason the Chargers don't is because of how short Justin Herbert's time in the NFL has been to date and how much of a high pick they picked on him and what we've seen from him. If it was a year further on and nothing else had improved from where we are with Justin Herbert, then sure, maybe the Chargers take him. But I think his leash, well, not his leash, but what we've seen is far too short for them to just Throw well, so they, they have a cake schedule. They're not going to be out there. I, I think you have to, if you're the Jets, I think you have to take Trevor Lawrence. The only way you don't take Trevor Lawrence is if he doesn't declare if he gets injured. That's it. That's the only remit that you don't take him right now. And then what, then what happens? Do you take somebody else and then do you think the Jets don't take him um, if he doesn't declare? Do you think the Jets then finish 0-16 and, and pick the next best quarterback off the board or do you think they wait another year? depending on how bad his injury is. If his injury is like Tua's, we're not sure he's going to play again. Uh, that's a good question. They, they have, do you know what? Their whole, their, their whole squad is knackered. You could pick. There were too many good players in that in this draft coming that you could argue anyway. But and maybe they go and get a bigger piece. But yeah, it's going to have to take something like that to not get Trevor Lawrence. I think if you're the Jets, I think you've got to... You've got to invest in so many pieces. The, the only way that you, you're not taking him is someone offers you the, a king's ransom that is beyond your wildest dreams and you get three first-round picks or something like that. And then you're thinking, do you know what? We have so many holes. 
that if we can get five top 50 picks, we're probably going to have to take that. Because you could build offensive, defensive line, get a wide receiver piece, could probably still get someone like Etienne in there as well. And yep. all of a sudden, you're like, okay, if you can get five great players in exchange for Trevor Lawrence, that's the only argument I could make to set off three great players and then with the picks that you've got. That's the only argument I can make against taking Trevor Lawrence. No other reason other than that. If, if someone offers you the world, then I get it because you've got so many holes. If you end up getting a new offensive line piece, a new defensive line piece, um, or a new safety, um, uh, Etienne, a wide receiver, um, and maybe something else, then you go, okay, fine. Them as a collective are probably better for the franchise than Trevor Lawrence. Because you could have Trevor Lawrence walk in there tomorrow and he could be just as bad as Darnold has been because the team's bad. But yeah. I don't think you could be the guy that turns down Trevor Lawrence. No. Uh, it would be silly. You're right. You're right. Talking of rookie QBs, and uh, if you do want to hear more about Trevor Lawrence, obviously head over to Five Yard College. Those boys are talking college football 24-7. We're going to talk about another rookie QB, and Dolphins rookie Tua Tungavaloa made his NFL debut in his win versus the Jets. I haven't seen any of the footage, but what I really liked about Tua's return to the field was that after the game, he went and sat on the 15-yard line after on, on the field and that was where he suffered his horrendous injury on the 15 yard long and he he just went back out there and sat down to reflect on on what had passed and and what had just happened so I thought that was a really nice thing for him to go and do obviously for for himself I mean you, you've got to realize that for him his dream has come true right um his dream has come true at one point last season it it looked 50 50 whether he would ever play in the NFL after being the surefire, like, number one pick, right? So I completely understand the fact that the way that he was, like, I I completely get it. Um, And I think it's an amazing thing that he has come in and and made his debut. And I thought the reception he got from Dolphins fans, they're clearly very excited. He went to, I mean, he played the final two minutes, basically. Two minutes. He came in for the last series. Uh, he went two, two for two, nine yards. Um, so you can't judge him, right? I can't see him and say, "Oh my god, he looked phenomenal" <laughs> or anything <laughs> like that, right? He threw two passes. He, you know, he, he connected um, both of them. He basically played with second stringers. They they pulled everyone out. It was twenty-four nothing. Yeah, I, it's a good thing for him. I'm, I'm glad that he. I think he's going to be good. Um, I think he's going to be special and. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a nice touch, and I, I, you know, credit Brian Flores and credit um, the coaching staff there for letting him have this moment because it, it, people are going to start questioning now: is is Fitzpatrick going to get better? I mean, absolutely not. You cannot bench Fitzmagic after what he has done over the the course of this season. I think I, I said this in the matchups pod that prior to this week's games, since he won the job from Josh Rosen last year, he's been the quarterback three in fantasy. And he's winning games. You know, he won games at Taylor last season. The Dolphins Dolphins got to seven, six, seven wins last year. And then, you know, they're three and three this year. They're one of the better three and three teams I've seen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, right now you could, you could make a case that the Miami Dolphins made the playoffs. 
It's definitely not out of the realms of the possibility. Exactly that. And that, that's why you can't bench Fitzpatrick. So, yeah, it was nice nice for Tungavala. And um, I, I look forward to seeing him in the NFL. But for the sake of the Dolphins, I, I hope it's not this year. Yeah, it was it was good for Lee as well. Our boy Lee, the uh, the man behind the scenes. He's sometimes on the pod, big Dolphins fan. He, he proclaimed that the first thing, I think the first thing Tua did was hand the ball off. And he said it was the greatest handoff ever. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of that. Tua throws his first touchdown pass and all this. I think it's going to be uh, folklore kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to something a little more somber. And that Steelers linebacker Devin Bush is out for the season after suffering a torn ACL versus the Browns. I saw this actually, I think this was on Red Zone. I think the play that he was they were covering was when he actually did this and he he looked in some discomfort when it happened and obviously ACL was a painful and yeah sad news for the Steelers D which is playing lights out so far this season yeah I'm massive news I mean incredible uh second year talent um one of the best linebackers uh, in in the NFL um or he was he was trending that way for sure and it's a off contact off the ball injury um and they're the worst ones you know, because that's that's when you know it's serious. Yeah, it's a it's a real a, a real real shame. And, and and on that actually, another one that tore their ACL is uh, Taylor Lewan. He's uh, he's torn his ACL and he is out for the year. He did that in the third quarter. Um, so yeah, it, it's unfortunate that these injuries happen. Um, nobody wishes injuries on anyone, and hope that Devin Bush and Taylor Lewan recover and and get out there for for next season. Absolutely. In the most New York thing ever, the Giants have sat their first-round offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas, after being late to a team meeting. It's just... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pleased that that level of discipline is uh, involved. He sat the first quarter. Matt Pert came in, who's another rookie, um, who they drafted much later than Thomas. And I think that's a competition now as to whether Thomas keeps his job over Matt Pert. I'm really glad that the Giants took Andrew Thomas based on what I've seen <laughs> because I, I, I constantly that was the player I, who I wanted the Buccaneers to take in this draft purely because I, I didn't even think Tristan Wirfs was an option just didn't think it was going to happen and and yeah I think Wirfs has been terrific I think I think he's been the best of the four big offensive tackles so far uh, I think Andrew Thomas is, is, is re- he's playing really badly uh, and, you know, they had a big miss last year in, in Baker, um, who they took as a cornerback. And he's been released after some serious offences in which he's probably going to go to jail for, although, you know, it's accusations at this point. Um, but he was pretty bad. Um, so you have to question the talent. It's hard because I think everybody looked at Andrew Thomas and thought this guy's a top, a top 10, top 15 player in the draft. And, you know, they selected him at four. And it shocked people because, you know, Tristan Wirfs was almost nailed on to be that pick. So you have to question the talent evaluators as to why they've passed on on Wirfs and the other tackles. Mackay Becton has looked great for the Jets. Tom would kill me for not saying that. But he's been terrific. You have to look at this and say, why is what's going on? And, and get to the bottom of it because it's a heavy position of need. And you can't be missing on first round offensive tackles. You just can't. Like that there's a lot of positions you can get away with making mistakes. Quarterback seems to be the most common, but I don't think you know, missing on first round missing on first round tackles is, is just a big no no. Especially with how deep the class was this year. Mm. 
It's going to pain the franchise for a while to come, I think, that one. And then Father Cannon's Murph, Rob Gronkowski scores his first touchdown as a Buccaneer and his first since 2018. Yeah, how, how about that? Gronk is, uh, Gronk is Gronk and gets into the end zone. It was a really good route, actually. He sort of um, went to the back corner and Brady, and Brady found him. And um, Yeah, I mean, he looked he looked a bit more himself um, and I think he'll be more and more involved as the season comes along. But he's been pretty good at blocking and um, really helping that offensive line uh, a lot. So I'm pleased for, for Gronk. <laughs> Listen, he's not the same player, right, that and I think we said this before the season, if you're expecting 2015, 2016 Gronk, then you're deluding yourselves. But it was nice to see the hard work he has put in this season be rewarded um, with that touchdown. And I'm sure it won't be the last time he scores one. Well, let's hope not. Let's hope not for your sake, if not fantasy itself. Right, Rush Nation, I thought I had a 60-minute game in me. My uh, voice is starting to go. don't know whether you can hear it or not, but I'm still going to be here, but Murph is going to talk you through how to trade during this wretched COVID season. Yeah, I, the reason this has come up is I've had a lot of trade offers over the last two or three weeks, and I keep putting them in our writers' chat because the trades are so bad. Um, I've, I mean, I've had some horrific trades. So um, it talks about Rob last week. If you've got a team that's one and five, uh, two and four, uh, sorry, one and four, oh and five, two and three. You should start thinking about trading off big assets to improve wider aspects of your team. Um, so I put a load of players on on the trade block this week, and I just got the most abysmal offers. Um, I mean, really bad. You know, people trading me quarterbacks when I've when I've not when they're not trading for a quarterback, and I've got four QBs in a superflex league, and then that quarterback being someone like Jimmy Garoppolo. No. just it it just for me people keep trying to win trades i've just had so many bad trades it's just really starting to irk me how bad um how bad trades have got someone offered me this week aj green for alexander matterson and i'm like no i mean that's not even that's not a bad one i suppose I've had a lot worse than that. I'm going to pull up some because. Do you think? Do you think there's a case here for people's seasons have been ruined by COVID and by injury, and they haven't perhaps traded before? Because there's plenty of leagues that I've been in and am in now where people don't trade, and all of a sudden, if they've got a real need to trade. They've started trading and sending offers out like this and they think that perhaps it's a good deal when they don't have a trading knowledge. Is that possible, do you think? I don't even know. I don't know what... I mean, that might be the case. Uh, These are some of the offers I've had in the last week, right? Someone for Raheem Mostert offered me Tom Brady when I've got, you know, one, two, three, four... and. I got five. It's a dynasty league. I've got five QBs on my roster, and they're trying to trade me Tom Brady. Like you've not even looked at my roster. You what you've done is you've just sat there and go, "Oh yeah, I'll just try that and see if it works." I'm just looking at um, someone offered me. I had some really bad ones. Someone, someone offered to take Gardner Minshew off my hands when I've got the right number of QBs for T.Y. Hilton. 
that didn't work. Um, there's just so many, just so many bad trade offers. Um, I can't even find all of them now. Like it just, people are just trying to win trades and they're not even trying to do it in like a, a clever way. They're just, they're just thinking, Oh, this guy's not wanting to give up because he's trading his best players. Um, yeah, here we go. Um, someone sent me to send Kenyon Drake to them for Nick Foles and Rex Burkhead again, when I've got more QBs than I need. So I, I, I counted that by them sending me Mike Thomas and I'm not giving them anything in return. Nice. The first trade offer he gave me was Nick Foles for Kenyon Drake straight up. And listen, I'm not a big fan of Kenyon Drake this season. He's not been great, but you know the running back position is is heavily important. Someone offered to take Michael Thomas off my hands for o- Odell Beckham Jr. and T. Higgins. Like, no, I've put him on the rack because I don't. It's because I've got enough wide receivers. Um, like, look at other positions. Someone tried to one trade I did do this week. Someone traded me, so wanted DK Metcalf, and they sent me Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, and Frank Gore. Oh, all day. Yeah, I mean, snap that. Um, that was one trade I got done. Someone wanted for Mixon to trade Drake, like as straight up. It's like no, I'm trading Mixon because I'm trying to get more pieces. Um, someone offered me Mixon and Metcalf who are far better than Odell Beckham Jr. and Devin Singletree. These are just the kind of things. Like, if you're putting a big piece on there, it's because you want to try and get three good pieces or two good pieces in return for that one outstanding piece. So you both win. So some tips on on trading. Um, the first is to do some prep, right? So if you're trying to trade or you see that somebody has put a player on the trade block, right? You need to work out well, where you are strong, so what positions are you deep at? So if you were to trade a Michael Thomas, which is a big piece um, because you've got six wide receivers who can fit the bill, then fine. You know you're strong at wide receiver. But then where are you weak? What position are you trying to get better at? Are you trying to get better at running back or quarterback or, or whatever? Um, and then find out where other teams are strong and where they're weak. So if they put this player up on, on the blog, try and work out why they put them on the blog. Look at their season record. If they're 0-5, they're trying to trade a big piece to get multiple pieces back to improve their team. You're not trading Michael Thomas for no reason. You're not going, oh, well, I'll just trade Michael Thomas. Like you're trading him because you want to get two or three good pieces back. Um, and you work out where that team you're trying to trade with, or if you're trying to be the one that initiates a trade, look at teams, look at your whole league, do a chart on a piece of paper and work out where they're strong and where they're weak. Um, and then what you need to do is try and work out the teams. It could be one, it could be several that meet the criteria where they are weak, where you are strong and you are weak, where they are strong because they're the ideal candidates that you have because you're both going to get what you want out of a trade, which leads me on to stop trying to win trades. Listen, sometimes I counter with trades that favor me more and upset the the value i do that one to see how serious the initial offer of a trade coming in might be but two to get a dialogue going but everything's negotiable um and i trying to let people know when i counter trades what kind of things i'm looking for because i want to make sure i get what i need to be better and competitive but at the same token you know one thing I try to do more is just just to try and 
show people the kind of things I'm looking to get back in a trade and to steer the direction of look, what I'm looking for for a Michael Thomas is I'm looking for a replacement wide receiver who might be like a wide receiver two or three, but I'm also looking for like a running back two and maybe like a tight end. Um, that's just going to improve me and give me some more flexibility, or maybe it's like a wide receiver two or wide receiver three and a running back three or something like just to give me a bit more depth for the bye weeks or whatever it might be. Um, and there are different instances for different teams. But I also had someone this week, I tried to put a trade offer out there and I tried to get Zeke and I massively overpaid for Zeke. I offered, I offered an RB1. I can't remember the exact details, but I offered like an RB1, a wide receiver two, uh, a wide receiver three, and I think a quarterback as cover for their bye weeks because they were going to be a bit short. And I think I asked for Zeke and a piece back or something. And the guy said to me, he said, no, because I'm not trading you, Zeke, because you've got CMC. And it's like, that shouldn't matter. What I'm trying to achieve at the trade shouldn't matter to you. It's about your team. And this guy's saying, I don't want you to have Zeke and CMC in the same team. Well, CMC's not playing, and any injury could happen at any time. He's basically thinking, if I do this trade, I'm not going to win. And it's like, but not doing this trade you're not going to win because mm. your team would have got so much better. The players I was offering more than offset Zeke, but because I had so much depth, I was able to give those pieces away and retain what I wanted, which was a much stronger running back one. And it's like, you both mutually benefit out of that. Like I've just added probably 15 points a week to your score by that trade. Yeah. But that was like, he's like, I'm not doing it because I, I can't have you have CMZ and Zeke. And you're like, it's the wrong mentality. You're trying to get better. And that leads me on to not worrying about the playoffs or who ends up winning it right now. Just six weeks into a season, anything can happen. Um, you have to worry about trying to get into the playoffs, especially if you have three wins or below. You can't start thinking about, oh, well, you know, when I get to the playoffs you're 50% chance of getting there or worse at this stage. So you have to make trades to ensure that you get there. And then when you get to the dance, anything happens. You could, how many times have we seen teams sneak into fantasy playoffs and then win it? Loads. It happens. It happens regularly. I mean, who remembers when Todd Gurley went down and CJ Anderson came in and won championships for people? It just happened. Things like yeah. that happen, like, all the time. You just have to worry about getting there. Don't think about, oh, well, I've strengthened a rival and that person now has the best team. Injuries, form, coaches going, all sorts of things happen that can change it, as well as also who might be available on the waiver wires at the right time. So don't think about trying to win the regular season. Don't think about winning your league. Just think about trying to get the eight wins. And look at your schedule. Look at your bye weeks. Look at who you're playing and map out realistically. Can you see a path to eight wins? Because if you can't, then you need to make big trades. And if that person ends up going 13-0, fine. They go 13-0. You deal with that problem in the playoffs. And if they end up winning the league, at least you got to the playoffs. Like you gave yourself a chance to win but you might also beat them. <laughs> like you worry about trying to win the playoffs when you're in the playoffs. Yep. Don't worry about it now. So don't worry about strengthening people. Um, this is a big one. I've seen this on Twitter in the last few weeks and I get hundreds of messages about people explaining to me why trades are good. If you have to send me over a, an explanation as to why I should do a trade, it's not a good trade. <laughs> 
oh, well, this will work out for you because you'll be able to do X, Y, and Z. No. If you were telling me why I have to do a trade and I can't see it from the offer, it's not a good trade. Yeah. It's just not a good trade. I should be able to look at that trade and I assess one of three things. That's a good trade. I'm not even going to bother haggling. I'm just going to do it. That trade's pretty close. It's workable. We could probably try and get somewhere to get a deal done. It's not quite what I want, but we're not a million miles away. Probably need to substitute a piece here or there, but we could probably do something. And you're so far away, I can't even be bothered to justify why I'm rejecting it. Or in some cases, because some of the offers have been so bad, I've sent a really stupid counter back like their whole team for a dollar <laughs> just to say you've you've wasted my time and i only do that right because the trade is so bad it's not someone genuinely trying to do it and if it is someone trying to do a trade then this really should help you this podcast because you know try, trying to trade uh big pieces for for nothing um you know i had someone try to trade me patrick mahomes or someone asked patrick mahomes off me in a dynasty league and offered me Gardner Minshew in a 2022 third. No. <laughs> so I sent one back um, saying, right, I'll take your whole team and I'll give you $1 in fab. <laughs> like, that's how I view those sort of trades. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you shouldn't have to explain a trade. Um, if you, if the trade's close, then you definitely start a dialogue and try and, try and work one out, because I think you could probably get there. Um, and the last thing for, for Dynasty only, if you're two wins or less at this point, I would start selling assets that will depreciate next year now and go and get first round picks. So, for example, Julio Jones just put up a, a, a really good week. If I had Julio Jones and I'm in a 0-5 uh, or 0-6 or 1-5 and 2-4, whatever, those kind of scenarios, I'm trying to get a first round pick for Julio Jones off someone who's trying to win. Because Julio Jones next year will not be worth a first-round pick in in Dynasty because his age, he's declining. Uh, Ridley is the going to be the touchdown back or the touchdown receiver, really the red zone threat more often than not. You know, I'm going to try and sell Julio Jones, and if I can get a replacement piece, then I can go and get myself a quarterback or a, a wide receiver who might be the next player and then if you've got your own first round pick you can either go and get yourself two really good players or you could trade those two picks and move all yourself all the way up to the top two and if you need a quarterback and get yourself like a trevor lawrence and the super flex or you can go and get yourself the top uh wide receiver or you can go and get uh etienne or something like that and go get yourself a big marquee piece when you're really only going to be missing out on one more year of productive julio at best yeah so and it's you're getting the best price between now and week 10 on your dynasty players because players now who are five and oh six and oh are now looking at this now and thinking this is where i can strengthen and blow my rivals out of the water trying to win and the same way that if i'm if i'm six no five and one i would be making these moves to get a title if i felt that my team was on the edge of you know i could i could have a two-year three-year window at dominating my league um so I'm not worried about rookies now. I'm worried two years from now. So um, that's a good position to to be in if you're in those positions. So go and go and get yourself some first round picks and go make some some cheddar that way because you could get the pieces that would take you to a title now as opposed to leaving it to chance or letting your rivals get in there. So 
Um, there should definitely be more trading between now and, and week 10 uh, for Dynasty to go and get those first round picks. 100%. All about that first round pick. I know some people don't value picks at all and some people do. And I'm all about getting that first round value. It just... well, we did this last year. Do you remember in that, that, that Twitter analyst team, which had uh, James the Brain in it, uh, rest in peace, James. And he ended up winning last year. You know, we ended up acquiring the, what eventually became the number one overall pick that we ended up trading back and getting more picks. And we, we danced around that first. I think we pretty much had every pick in the first round. And then, you know, we ended up accruing a lot of pieces. We traded one off to go and get Russell Wilson. We traded another one off to get Daniel Jones, which, you know, looking at this season probably hasn't been quite as uh, impressive as, as we'd hoped. But, you know, we, we picked up pieces like Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Antonio Gibson. We got uh, Justin Herbert. In fact, we, we had the choice between Herbert and Tua, and someone came in and offered us three first-round picks and a second-round pick to go back one spot so they could get Tua. It's looking like a great decision for what Herbert's going to offer. Yeah. You know, we got DeAndre Swift. Um, these were all picks that we got um, off off of those. You know, to get, and we traded away what Mixon. We traded Mixon, Sanders, a couple of other pieces, and we've ended up getting, you know, six or seven quality pieces. But also, our team is fun, and we're about to go four and two. So we're not going to win this year, but we've now got a really fun young team. Yeah, and you never know. We get to eight wins and the rookies pop off at the, in the playoffs. We get there and who knows? Yeah, exactly that. And I think that's the um, I think that's the key. I think that's what you've got to uh, remember is it's about having fun at the end of the day. We have a really fun team and we moved around the board so much, which was good fun and made a lot of trades. But and we, all, we did that because we started selling players of this sort of week six to week 10 region. You know, getting rid of Sanders was hard, but we got a good deal. We got rid of because we knew we weren't going to win. We we had Drake, um, sorry, Mixon. We got rid of him. You know, and we ended up sort of getting a lot of pieces. We bought in Drake, I think, for a second round pick last year. Yeah. You know, we we and Drake hasn't turned out to be great, but second round rookie pick, like it's worked out for where we're at. So like that's what's key is if you can sell them off now for good prices, which you're not going to get in in the summer or in the lineup to the draft. Yeah, let's make your moves now in Dynasty so you can really cash in on the value that you can see ahead as opposed to wait a little later, like you say, and, and maybe miss out on getting maximised value for that player. But let's move on, Murph. We, we've got uh, teams that we're going to bury and who have buried. I think we can wait for that for next week. Don't want to bury the, the, the Jaguars now? I mean, we can. I mean, the Jets, the Giants, the Falcons, the football team, the Vikings, the Lions have all been buried. I mean, we can we can bury the Jags. Um, I feel bad on the Jags. I don't know why. There's two we, in here. I think we could we could bury. Okay. Well, we've mentioned Jacksonville. Let's bury them. Yeah, I think Jacksonville can can go. And Absolutely. then who out of the Patriots, Chargers, Bengals, and Texans? Who's the team you're going to bury? Well, who do you think? I don't know. I'd love to say the Patriots, but then they're the Patriots and they've probably got a few more wins in them to, to before getting buried. The Chargers, they've looked okay. Having a week off probably hasn't hurt them. The Bengals, as good as they've looked at times, still have issues. And then the Texans, regardless of how, how they're making people fantasy relevant, they're, they're not a good football team currently. 
I don't know. Of that lot, I, I'm going to say the Texans just because I think the Bengals deserve another week. No, I'm killing the Bengals. Oh, damn it, Murph. And it's not actually anything to do with what the Bengals have or haven't done. It's purely the fact they're in a division with uh, Pittsburgh, who are 5-0, and the Ravens, who are 5-1, and and the Browns, who are 4-2. I mean, and that makes... When you put it that way, that makes sense. They're 1-4-1. One, one. So it's, it's their, their three and a half wins behind first. Uh... Three wins behind second. No, three and a half wins behind second. Four wins behind first. And two and a half wins behind third in their division. And they've got to play go. more. And they've got to play more again. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Cincy. <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason. It's not down to the fact that I, I think they're bad. I don't think they're that bad. Um, I think they play in a very good division with three very good teams. That's the only reason. Fair enough. Well, Patriots, Chargers, and Texans, you live to see another day. Murph, let's hit the streets, buddy. Come on, let's hope it's a good one. Yeah, there's a few uh, in here. There's not a whole amount, but there's a few good snippets in here. So Titans are the first team in NFL history with a 350-yard passer uh, and a 200-yard rusher in the same game. And that was Ryan Tannehill threw for 364, and Derek Henry rushed for 212 yards. That's a lot of yardage. Yeah, massive day for those two. Um, Patriots are below 500 through five games for the first time since 2001 when Tom Brady led the team to the first of its six Super Bowl titles. So that has snapped a streak of 18 consecutive seasons above 500 through five games, which is the longest such streak in NFL history. I don't know if that's ever broken. (laughs) No, I don't either. Aaron Rodgers was picked off two times and the Packers totaled just five yards on offense in the second quarter of the loss to the Buccaneers. It's the first time in the Rodgers era, uh, so since 2008, that the Packers have had fewer than 10 yards and multiple giveaways in the quarter. Entering today, Green Bay had zero giveaways and averaged 6.8 yards per play, which was the best in the NFL. Um, obviously yesterday. But then on top of that, Aaron Rodgers yesterday only threw the third pick six of his career. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite extraordinary. In 12 years, he threw his third pick six. Ironically, one of the other two was also against the Buccaneers. Oh, bogey team. Has Rodgers ever thrown two interceptions in a game before yesterday? Yeah, uh, he hasn't done it for three years. I think that in itself is pretty impressive. Um, you'll like this one. Uh, Broncos country coming up. Drew Locke is the second quarterback to defeat the Bill Belichick led Patriots on the road whilst throwing multiple interceptions. In what? Who was the other person? I'll give you a clue. Hall of Famer. Occasionally see him on Sky and other coverage. Also a quarterback, obviously. Uh, obviously. Um, Brett Favre. No. And right sort of era. It's, it's a long way past me, if I'm honest, that era. Kurt Warner, he did so in week 10 of his 2001 MVP season. Oh. It's a great company to be in. Um, with a rushing touchdown and over 200 passing yards and counting, Joe Burrow has joined Select Company. You listen to the names in this list, by the way. He is now the fifth quarterback in the Super Bowl era with 1,500 passing yards and multiple rushing touchdowns in his first six career games. He's joined five, yeah, four other players. They are Cam Newton, former NFL MVP, Andrew Luck, 
Patrick Mahomes, former NFL MVP and Super Bowl winner, and last year's Rookie of the Year, Kyler Murray. Oh, Joey B, eh? That's quite a quite a run to be in. Uh, Adrian Peterson scored his 113th career rushing touchdown in the first quarter of yesterday's game for the Lions. That is the fourth most touchdowns all time and most amongst active players. Can you name the the running back who was in second? God. (laughs) Uh, No. Come on. Old father time himself. Frank Gore? Yeah. Wowzers. He's on 79. (laughs) Oh, God. So he's quite a bit behind Adrian Peterson. He's not catching him. Um, and last one, just because it's a Buccaneers one, I had to throw this one in. Ryan Jensen sat out the last series of the win yesterday, the 38-10 to 10 win over Green Bay, which ended Ryan Jensen's streak of 3,726 consecutive offensive snaps. So he had played all 3,671 snaps since becoming the full-time starter in 2017. And it is the most, or it's the second longest streak of snaps uh, currently, or it was when it was broken, behind. Who's got Tom Brady. Longest... Correct. That's got to be annoying. Do you think he was begging the coach? Like, just let me in, coach. Let me in. I don't think he cared. Ah, one more. Um, do, does the numbers 5, 17, and 1 mean anything to you? Yeah, no, not personally. Okay, so five seventeen and one is the collective record of the NFC East. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious me! And I'll leave it there. There's something to ponder whilst you listen to the uh, next podcast after this one, Rush Nation. That is absolutely diabolical. Oh, hang on! Someone's just sent me something that I'm going to drop in. Um, another Buccaneers one, but this is shows how extraordinary it was. Um, so. Yesterday's win for Tampa Bay is the third time since 1970 that a team has registered zero turnovers, zero penalties, and zero sacks allowed. The other two were Minnesota against the LA Rams in 1972 and Indianapolis over Cleveland uh, in 1999. That doesn't happen very often. Every 20 years, one would say. And before anyone adds me on that stat, yes, I know Ndamukong got a penalty, but because it was offsetting, it didn't count. See, there you go. In-depth analysis of penalties right here. That's what we do. Mate, this has been an absolute hoot. Tuesdays, I'm back in the chair. I've loved it. Absolutely loved it. Good man. It's good to have you back. Uh, as much as I enjoyed Rob's, Rob's company, and I did and thoroughly enjoyed it. Tuesdays are for you and me, my friend. Absolutely. And talking to Tuesdays, Wednesdays, we're gonna we're gonna go and have some dinner outside in the probably raining, freezing coldness that is Surrey weather. But hey, this train never stops. You know that Rush Nation. You know it. We would really appreciate some reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Little five star would be absolutely mint. And that's that's pretty much it. Murph's gonna uh, you heard the wave of wire pod yesterday. Murph's gonna be back in your ears later on in the week, and then Pitsy and Rob will be with you on Friday with the Friday fast action. I think I got the title of that right. I hope I did, boys. It was good last week, and more to come. Obviously, Five Yard College is on Wednesdays. Don't forget to listen to that, and then head over to fiveyardrush.co.uk to get all of your article needs for the upcoming week. Waivers is out. Stream will be soon. What have I missed? Everything. Just go over there, find everything at fiveyardrush.co.uk. 
I've seen um, Lerfeld come yeah, in I've... and out of the room several times throughout this podcast. And I think the worst bit about it is if you do check out the video, I think the mother or nanny, whoever drags the children out at the end, drags the elder child out through the floor. And then the other one is in a walker. And I think they get them sandwiched in the doorway. And then the walker yeah. child has to back up. So if that is true, congratulations, nanny. You made the end of that clip even better. <laughs> one last one. Uh, if you decide to start a college fantasy league next year don't play it on fan tracks <laughs> what, what hey hey how did you get on in college fantasy last week i mean personally i don't know because fan tracks sucks how did you get on the week before yeah again still waiting for that <laughs> fan tracks sucks <laughs> two weeks behind two weeks yeah. no scores i'm still three one and one in that league yeah i think i had a good week this week all three of my running backs went over 100 yards and got a touchdown so i think i did okay nah and uh mate. I can't have lost my my quarterback. My quarterback had a hundred yards and one passing touchdown, which I thought was poor. And then I looked at his rushing stats, and he had over a hundred yards and three rushing scores. So, I mean, that alone, surely that's seen me over the edge. These college boys, the, the week in week out of the college fantasy is, who knows? Who knows? Who, but we, who knows? Yeah. Exactly. Fan tracks don't. We don't. No one does. Use Yahoo next year, Rush Nation. But. Until later on in the week, Murph, this has been a blast. You stay safe, mate. I'll see you Wednesday And Rush Nation. As always, don't forget, keep rushing. a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.